Hello, Career Cohort. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Emily Wong, founder of Words of Distinction. We talk about tools for achieving career success, inspirational stories about overcoming career and life challenges, and how we can recalibrate our perspective to better enjoy the journey forward. Have you ever felt like those who work with you don't support you, even though you're trying to achieve amazing results? Do they tell you you're difficult to work with or that you're just too much? Do you feel like they don't understand your intentions? My guest today is Parisa Benya, who coaches C-suite and senior leaders who are what she calls high-will, high-skill badasses. These leaders are high value to a company, but their edges may start to erode their value because their colleagues feel overwhelmed. In our conversation today, Parisa shares great advice, not only for badasses themselves, but for the people who have to interact with them every day. People who may be put off by the badasses need for speed. But Parisa knows that these badasses usually have a lot to offer. And if the rest of us can learn to harness that energy, we might find we're in for an exciting ride. Parisa is the author of Modern Badass, Tales from the Leadership Front. So let's dive in. So Parisa, I made a mistake when I originally connected with you. I misunderstood Modern Badass to mean that you worked with people who needed to be more of a badass or needed to assert themselves better. But after talking to you, I learned that it's a very different way of coaching or or a very different demographic that you're coaching. And I think it's so cool. I'd love for you to give us a definition of what a modern badass is and why you chose that demographic. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to have this conversation with you today, Emily. I've uh, been looking forward to catching up with you and talking about all things badass. Uh, Modern badasses are change agents, visionaries, disruptors. They are the people that go 80 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone without checking to see if people are strapped in for the ride, let alone interested in the destination. They are the types of people that other people may call too much, too bold, too brash, too colorful, too disruptive. If we were going to have another way to describe them, uh, bulls in china shops, And the difference between these types of bulls in China shops and and other types of bulls in China shops is that they don't mean to break as many dishes as they do. So in as much as other people may call them too much, too bold, too brash, just, just a lot, these are people in service of creating something magical and powerful for all of us to benefit from, that they are so excited by possibility. They are so engaged at the idea of creating opportunity for everyone that they really do forget to check for alignment and acknowledgement from the people around them. So if you were to ask me what would be an example of a badass that you and I would have heard from or the people in the audience would have heard about is Steve Jobs, Thomas Edison, Serena Williams. Gloria Steinem, Malala Yousafzai. You don't have to 
like these people as people, and you can still recognize the impact that they've had on all of us. So these are good examples of badasses for us to be grounded in so we can get a sense for what the definition of a badass is. My concern, my mission is that I worry about the badasses we'll never meet because they've been sidelined, they've been silenced, or they didn't know how to get out of their own way. There is an opportunity cost for us not knowing who that future Thomas Edison is. There's an opportunity cost for us not knowing who that Serena Williams might be. What benefits to society, whether it's cultural or technology or it's math or it's climate or, or whatever it is that we're worried about these days, what do we miss out on because we will never know who these people are? And my mission is to help them be seen as who they are fundamentally without making them feel like they have to change who they are fundamentally to be seen as just right instead of as too much. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, I, I think they really do bring a lot of value. And I think that the reason you chose to work from them, from what I've heard on other podcasts, is that you can relate to them a bit, right? Yeah, I am that person. Uh, <laughs> I, I know what it feels like to be that person. I know how frustrating it is to feel like you're misunderstood. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, I was told I was the hardest person that my leader ever had to manage. And, mm. you know, when, when someone says that to you, you're just, oh my God, really? It was such a shock to my system because all I thought I was meant to do in that particular role was to drive results because that was literally on my job description, drive yeah. results. And because I always had this desire to add more responsibilities, I was so curious. I was like, oh, what if we tried this? What if we tried that? What if we tried to turn the circle into a square? It was all coming from a place of curiosity and possibility. I didn't know that that wasn't always appreciated or appropriate. And so when my leader said, you're the hardest person I've ever had to manage, it was so profoundly hurtful and confusing to me. I think that gets into that misconception that people have of the modern badass is that they don't care. They don't care yeah. what people think, but that's not true, is it? No, it's not. And that's candidly how I can tell the difference between my people and someone who is probably toxic or a narcissist is the amount of regret and remorse at not being understood, the regret and remorse at inadvertently causing trouble, the regret and remorse for seeing later that perhaps you may have alienated someone when that really wasn't your intent. It really is that you are moving so fast, too fast for the conditions that things break. And I have, oh my goodness, the negative highlight reel I have still, you know, <laughs> 20 some odd years later for some of the stuff that I did, uh, it's palpable. It's palpable. And I know that the people I love to work with have that same negative highlight reel too. And they harbor a lot of regret and remorse and, and, guilt and pain. I've heard you say, Paris, on another podcast that 
modern badasses don't get up in the morning thinking and wondering, <laughs> how can I be a jerk today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And very few. I mean, there are there are now let's be clear. There are some people on this planet that do wake up. <laughs> how do I be the best troll possible? There yeah. are people who absolutely do that. And my people do not wake up with a desire to be disruptive. What they do wake up is to be disruptive in the service of good. Mm-hmm. change in the service of good, pattern interruption in the service of good, disrupting norms in the service of good, not because it feels like a really good idea to break a bunch of dishes and, and walk away. I know you have a like a 14 trait list of of what a modern badass is and I I don't think you want to go through the whole list probably right now but are there some favorite traits that you'd like to talk about now? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the most telling traits is what I've shared with you already which is they go 80 in a 45 mile an hour zone without checking to see if people are interested in the ride let alone interested in the the destination. So someone who moves super quickly. Another important trait of a badass, which I think is so incredibly important, is how good their spidey sense is. Their intuition is top notch. Their intuition is what helps them see 14, 15, 30 steps ahead so that they can create that future state that's 30 steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're all very talented and they've gone to really good schools. They've got all the degrees, but that's the intuition coupled with their creativity, which is another one of their traits, which really um, the pole position for helping a badass get to where they're trying to go. Two others, uh, which kind of pairs nicely with this idea of regret and remorse is that they are so desirous to create and be in community and yet they feel lonely. They don't know how to do that. So they want it. They don't know the conditions they have to create to be within community. So this is a sampler of of the 14 traits. That's a great sample. You know, you talked about going 85 or 80 in a 45 mile per hour zone. And I, I've heard you say, you know, it's the difference between speed and velocity. And yeah. I love that difference. You touched on it just a little bit just now, but can you dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So if we were going to go all the way back to high school physics, all the way back, <laughs> and it's something deep in the annals of time for me, uh, we learned about speed and velocity. And we also learned what the difference was between speed and velocity. And and I'll give a refresher now. Speed is the rate of travel. Great. Velocity is the rate of travel in a given direction. Velocity is what having a well-defined goal looks like. So what happens with badasses is that they believe they're traveling at velocity and they believe that their people around them see the velocity or see the goal in mind. But for everyone else, because they've not been let into the uh, description of the goal or don't quite know what the destination is, 
they just see a lot of speed. They see someone as rudderless. They see someone as reckless. They see someone as dangerous. And so how a badass can do a very successful job at enrolling and engaging other people to get excited and to be a hell yes for whatever adventure that a, a badass describes is to make the goal very clear. Describe how it is that people have skin in the game as it pertains to accomplishing the goal or what velocity looks like. And then the last most important piece is help people feel the skin they have in the game so that when there are rougher parts of the ride, because they know what the destination is, they're like, okay, this is great. I'm strapped in. I'm all in for this adventure. We're going to get to that destination in the end. And so being mindful of what the goal is, is what helps a badass be better understood by the people around them. So operate with speed and intentionality of the goal and being very clear about the goal so that everyone sees that you're operating with velocity and not reckless speed. Yeah. And, and by design, by their very nature, they are moving ahead. So I'm wondering if when you're working with clients, is that one of the most challenging things for you is to make them understand that they need to slow down because then that's wasting their time or? Yeah. So uh, it's my coach likes to say, slow down to speed up. And we've all heard that story about the tortoise and the hare. The hare burns himself out before he gets to the finish line. And then there's the tortoise that wins because slow and steady wins the race. So there is a counterintuitive truth to explore with all badasses, which is to say, look, I know on paper, it looks like you will go too slow if you were to take the time to invite people in. But the truth is that when you Superman or Wonder Woman all the time, it will take you much longer than it would if you were to just be Clark Kent or Diana Prince instead. If you were to meet people where they are, if you meet your colleagues, your teams, whatever, if you were to meet people where they are and clearly describe the goal, the whole always becomes more than the sum of its parts and the burden on you to deliver becomes radically less. And not only do you deliver quicker than you would alone, you deliver better because people are bringing their own magic to the table that you may not have access to on your own. And there's a lot of cleanup you have to do afterwards if you're not bringing people on from the front end, right? Right. You might get thwarted in the projects that you're trying to do. If you're trying to be Superman or Wonder Woman all the time, uh, you might get the plug pulled on whatever project you're working on. You might get the rug pulled out from under you because you haven't taken the time to paint the entire picture for everyone. And so what would it look like? If we were just clear, if we were to just take out whatever is in our heads and give people an entire landscape for them to enjoy and more importantly, for them to add onto. Everyone has such wonderful gifts. Why wouldn't we want to invite them to add their perspective, their experience, their gifts, their interests, or what have you on this adventure? Right. And I'm thinking too of just building those relationships. If they're feeling lonely and they're feeling busy, maybe taking that time to, you know, if you're busy, 
oh, where am I going to fit this in to build a relationship? But maybe you do a walk and talk, go for a walking lunch or sit down lunch or whatever that is, because you're kind of bundling your, <laughs> your work, right? Your tasks. Yeah, yeah, you could certainly do that. And the, the core of what you're saying is, is the crux, which is to say, let people know who you are, regardless of the format, whether it's a walk and talk or you grab lunch together or, or whatever it is that you do with one another. Let people in. Vulnerability is not a dirty word. Let people know what drives you. Let people know what your values are. Get curious about what other people's values might be. Get curious about who they are as people. And mm -hmm. the beauty of doing that is that we find a way to meet one another in the middle. We have content and context with and for each other so that, okay, I know how to engage with you, Emily. These are the things that are important to you. So when I have a conversation with you, when we're working on something together, or I require your buy-in on something, or I'm hoping for your buy-in on something, because I know these particular things are valuable to you, I will couch this opportunity in a way that lands. And so when a badass takes the time to do it, it's valuable. And because it's a two-way street, when other people choose to treat the badass three-dimensionally instead of two-dimensionally, it's, oh, okay, the badass has shared what's important to them. So that when we have to have a conversation, when we're working together, we don't have to be matchy-matchy in terms of our values. We don't have to be matchy-matchy in terms of what our intentions are. And we can weave our intentions and values together so that we can be supportive of one another. And the reason why this is so important is, look, when things are going like gangbusters, you know, everything's cooking with gas and, you know, everyone's besties and everyone loves one another, you don't pay attention quite as much of like where your commonalities might be. It's in those valleys where this becomes really important. If we are under times of stress, if we are experiencing a challenge in our work, wouldn't it be more helpful to know what each other's intentions were? Wouldn't it be more helpful to know what each other's values or drivers were so that we can be focused on co-creating a solution as opposed to focused on I don't understand why this person said this, or why can't this person be more like me, or well, why does this person have to be that way? It allows to accelerate, actually, to get to where we're trying to go with velocity, as opposed to not understanding each other, which is where speed lives. That's, that's where recklessness lives. Bring up such a great point about that intention and the vulnerability and opening yourself up when things are good. Because when you're stressed, you tend to, or at least I do, I'll have my blinders on and I'm not thinking about anything other than, you know, trying to maybe solve this problem. And that is where we become hypersensitive probably to what these other people are trying to accomplish and we're pushing through. And I think that's so valuable that you say that about the intention part. You know, I have to say, I don't know that I would qualify as a full on badass, but I would definitely, when I think back in, in my younger careers, I do remember being a pain in the ass for other people. <laughs> and there was a time when I was just, I wanted to be that hero 
for the customer. And I wanted to get those numbers and I wanted to meet those sales goals. And I was working with different groups who did not report to me Mm. uh, and not stepping back and, and seeing what was important to them in a lot of cases. And if you're listening, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember distinctly what, uh, when you were talking about your experiences, yeah, I, I, I frequently, I'm sure people called me a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, and, and I remember so intently, I, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. Maybe I had a little bit of showboating uh, that I wanted to showboat. Uh, a, a bad habit that badasses sometimes have is wanting to prove that they are the smartest person in the room. Uh, there's a little bit of insecurity there. It's like, a, it's a fig leaf to hide uh, what, uh, a fake fig leaf to hide what we don't want other people to see about us or, or where we're feeling most uncertain about who we are as people. Uh, and I remember being very insistent and I remember wanting to have my way. And I remember being really frustrated, like people, I'm not doing this out of my health. It's because it's for your bonus. It's for your bonus. It's for, I mean, Mm -hmm. like I was very clear on what the shared benefit was. And that was part of how it is I got into so much trouble time and time and time again, is that sometimes the intention has nothing to do with the price of gold. If they don't know what your intention is, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you do, you do make a point of saying it's a shared goal. So that I think that speaks to your leadership there. You understood the benefit to everybody, Parisa. Um, You know, one of the, one of the things that I, I know you're really adamant about, and I want to make sure that we stress this is that if you qualify as a badass, you're not broken. No. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? This is the thing that I, it's, it's kind of like a hot button for me. So let me collect my thoughts. Let me be in velocity <laughs> and not speed. Uh, <laughs> because badasses are different. A lot of times I will get approached to potentially coach a badass, like a someone, a corporate sponsor of coaching. And, you know, can, can you change them? Which sets me off because mm-hmm. uh, there's there's nothing about them to change. What's available is to be better understood. What's available to them is for them to understand other people better. And so the prevailing notion that they need to change to be palatable to other people, I think is so dangerous and so insidious. Not so much because it hurts my feelings, but because innovation lives where diversity of thought lives. Innovation lives at where the diversity of experience lives. Innovation lives where diversity of creativity lives. When you are communicating that you want someone to change or to be more like you or to think more like you, what you're doing is setting fire to innovation. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're setting fire to possibility and opportunity. And so, like I said, it's not because it hurts my feelings or I'm personally offended by someone saying, yeah, I wish so-and-so would change. It is so risky. Telling someone that it would be better for them to be safer to other people is the most unsafe thing that you can wish for. We need these change agents. Yeah, absolutely. We need these pattern interrupters. And again, you don't have to like them personally. 
and you recognize the impact that they could have if they knew how to be better understood and if they had ways to create community with other people without feeling like they had to change fundamentally who they are. You can't turn a lion into a sheep. Yeah. You, I mean, I suppose you could try. It's very, I, I am not convinced it's possible. You know, there were, I remember a, a very specifically a couple of badasses in my earlier career. And I remember being intimidated by them. Mm, and yeah. I got to know them. Mm-hmm. And they were incredibly loyal, incredibly mm-hmm. supportive. Mm-hmm. And they really did have amazing ideas. And I know, Parisa, too, that you, you mentioned once that in your corporate experience, you didn't know the questions to ask or how to move forward and kind of take that energy and, and redirect it. And you mentioned also that the organizations didn't necessarily know how to deal with that either. Yeah. Have you found that companies, I know that you go into corporations now and work with them. Do you yeah. find that they're more open to this? Yeah. I mean, just the fact that there are now companies that have one-on-one coaching budgets, right? Mm-hmm. And let's let's kind of say that that is, I mean, it's not something that's wholly new, but the the willingness to invest one-on-one in people or the willingness to invest in leadership teams, I think is very positive and it, and it bodes well. I didn't know the question to ask. I didn't know how to ask for help. Like I didn't know how to verbalize it. And I don't believe my leaders knew how to coach or lead me. And I'm not putting anyone in judgment is is what it is. And it's the reason why you and I are here talking today because of my experience, however many years ago, I think there's a willingness for people to lead and coach differently if they had the tools. So I remember when I was managing someone for the first time, it was more a function of, okay, well, you've delivered all of these results. And so because you're at, you know, X years at our company and because you've delivered Y dollars in terms of revenue, it's time for you to manage someone right now, which, oh my gosh, like there was no training, right? Right. There was a lot of crossed fingers and I don't know what I'm doing. And that, unfortunately, I still see happening today. And the willingness to see people as individuals as opposed to, you know, A slot, B slot, C, something like that bodes well. Still a long way to go, though. So I didn't really answer your question. I'm happy by what I'm seeing so far. And I think there's still a ways to go. And I'm thinking, too, that even when somebody is an individual contributor, that's maybe when they should be hiring somebody like you because they still haven't managed another person, but they're still like in my situation, I was trying to garner support from people that didn't report to me. And I, I think for a company to function well, the employees do need to learn, even though they're not considered a leader officially, they need to learn how to influence in a positive way to to move things forward and and I love that you're focused on that positive energy that people bring. I I completely agree with that. 
Yeah, thank you. I, I've said for a long time, and I was on a call another day with uh, a new friend and colleague of mine is, I want to democratize access to coaching. Coaching can feel like very rarefied error. Some coaching can be very expensive. Some one-on-one -on -one coaching can be very expensive. And so what I've been noodling on is exactly what you just said, which is how do we create accessible entry points for people who are individual contributors and see that they may be a modern badass and don't necessarily have access to unlimited funds to invest in their own transformation. And so I've been putting together this, I'm noodling on putting together a group option for these individual contributors for exactly what you just said is, why should we wait until they're further on in their career before coaching is gifted to them? They can create a coaching experience for themselves and have the access point be much earlier than maybe they would have contemplated. Yeah, I think that is really, really key. And even just coming out of college, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they could definitely benefit. And then is there any advice that you have for people who are dealing, somebody who's, so I said I was intimidated. I didn't recognize yeah. uh, that these people really had amazing things to offer. Do you have advice for somebody who individually is dealing with a badass? So I love that you asked that question about how you engage with someone um, who appears to be a badass when you may not be a badass. It's a really important question. And the very basic answer I'll offer to you first is get curious. And then I realize that's not satisfying or sufficient. <laughs> so I will extend it to say, get curious about what it is that's driving the passion for the cause, the conversation, the project, the thing, whatever appears to be uh, most under tension, let's say. And stop and say, help me understand, what about this is most important for us to focus on? What about this thing is most important to you? Help me understand what the impacts might be from your vantage point, what is out of alignment for you? In other words, search for open-ended questions that you can ask this person to get a, a three-dimensional view of who they are as opposed to a two-dimensional word or a version of who they are. So it's the question words we learned in elementary school, except the word why, because why makes people feel defensive. So it's mm -hmm. who, what, which, where, when, how. And you will find out what someone's emotional drivers may be that presents in the form of their power, their energy, their, their passion, or what have you. Mm -hmm. And doing that pattern interrupt and getting really curious about who they are, or what's driving them, can feel like a glass of really cold water on a super hot, sticky, humid day. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about why can make somebody so defensive. It's like a spear going right toward you, right? <laughs> totally uh, where you take these other, you know, your other ideas, it's, it's almost like a third party. That's where you're talking about that third dimension, right? Right, right, right. So yeah, I love that because, oh, okay. Yeah, this is where this is coming from. I'm glad you asked. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we want people to be curious about us. And remember, a badass wants to create community they don't know necessarily the conditions to make that community happen. Yeah. So if we were to say, huh, help me understand what's driving this. Help me understand you a little bit more. I want to want to meet you where you are. It just feels so kind. And I yes. know sometimes for these very intimidating people, you may not wish to extend that kindness. I get it <laughs> I, because I'm that person, right? So like, I can imagine what it's like to be on the other side of that table. Mm -hmm. And the gift you're giving them is that you're modeling for them what curiosity looks like so that maybe they would extend you that same grace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that it's fair to say that we all have a little badass in us, right? Sure. Because uh -huh. who among us can really say, I've never had to go back and clean up a mess, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we can, we can empathize uh, with, oh, one more thing. Yeah, you yeah. have an empathy model on your website. I do. And can you just talk a little bit about that before we go? Yeah. Uh, the empathy model is on the website, sixcentstrategy.com. And essentially the core of it is how do we incorporate empathy within the work that we do, whether it's developing solid team relationships, whether it's developing a strategy. And so what I've done is I've turned empathy into an acronym. And the most important part of the acronym is the word E. Ego kills empathy. Mm. Ego kills empathy. That is the start of the rest of the really awesome steps in the model, which folks can go to the website and learn a little bit more about, is how do we get out of our own way? Mm -hmm. How does our ego make it impossible for us to listen to others or to be blind to opportunity? That's really yeah. what's so important for, for badass or no, how is it that we are making ourselves blind to people and opportunity? This is a great note to end on. Parisa, I so appreciate you joining me today. This was so much fun. Yeah, it really was. And it's, it's really eye-opening and I, I love listening to you and I know there are ways people can get in touch with you. You're really engaged in LinkedIn. So can you share some ways for people to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. I am on LinkedIn. P-A-R-I-S-S-A -S 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 is my first name. And then you can find me on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, SixthSenseStrategy.com is the website. And on the website, there is a quiz that you can take to show you where you might live on uh, the modern badass curve. So that's always a fun quiz to take. And I also post videos on my YouTube channel, the Sixth Sense Strategy YouTube channel. Yes. By the way, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. So if you're listening, don't worry, it'll be there. And you do, you do something at least weekly on LinkedIn. I post, uh, I post videos every Friday on LinkedIn. Occasionally I'll do live streams. Uh, you've heard it here first. I'm going to do a series of live streams to really socialize this idea of earlier access points for 
badasses who are earlier on in their career. So just the fact that you've uh, brought it up, I'm like, yeah, I should do that. So stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fabulous. That's fantastic. Uh, Again, thank you again, Parisa. It was great to talk to you. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Career Cohort. I'm Emily Wong. You can find all my podcasts and blog posts at wordsofdistinction.net. And if you'd like to chat about how I can help you define the next step in your career and achieve your goals, head on over to the same website and book a time on my calendar for a free consult. In the meantime, please be sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great content.